I look at the, in the mirror in the morning, I want to like the person who's looking at. I don't ever want to make decisions that when I look at that person, I am sorry for what, whoever it is I became. And there have been several times over the course of my career when I have had to do things to stay true to that person looking at me in the mirror and not true to whatever it was that the uh, boss or that situation wanted me to be. So stay true to your soul, stay true to your heart, stay ethical, stay honest, and don't veer away from that. No matter how successful you think that's gonna make you, that success is not gonna be worth it if you don't like the person looking at yourself. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I'm live on the line with Cheryl Meyer. Cheryl, are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Cheryl. Um, and uh, for those of you who've been following along with our journey as we travel around, we are still stuck in Kissimmee, but we do have an outdate. We're going to be uh, moving on to our next location down in the Keys in a couple of weeks. Um, so we're, our family will be back to traveling. Cheryl, where are you coming in from? from Los Angeles, right below the Bobcat fires at the moment. Ooh, so your sky is as orange as my dad's is probably. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Southern California is my, uh, my hometown area, so sad to see it all in flames, but it does happen all the time over there. So hopefully uh, you are safe and your family is safe. Yeah, I'm about five uh, miles away from the foot of the foothills, so I'm in a safe area, but the air quality here is foul. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Well, hopefully you will stay safe. Let me uh, go ahead and run through your introduction real quick for our listeners who may not know who you are, and then we'll dive into your story. Okay. So Cheryl Meyer um, suffered from autoimmune and by eliminating hundreds of toxins, she reversed her pain. You have a BA from UC Berkeley and is a health coach from IIN. I'm not sure what that is. Hopefully you can tell us about that a little later. Um, Cheryl is an award-winning author, international bestseller, health coach, speaker, local TV host, and guest podcaster. You've written four books on health and toxins that are available on Amazon, and you have your own podcast, It Feels Good to Feel Good, Future Proof Your Health on Voice America. Um, so with all of that sort of introduction, Cheryl, why don't you tell me a little bit about what your business is like now? Like, who do you serve? What are your products and services? Um, that kind of stuff. Mostly, I am a health coach who works with other people who have chronic illnesses to help inspire them to make lifestyle changes that will allow them to return to relative wellness. I, eight years ago, I got autoimmune disease and I had my own business, um, but my toxic load had been building up for 20 years and I, honest to God, was not paying attention 
to all the signs that my body was trying to tell me that my toxic load was building until the two by four came down on my head and I woke up one morning and I literally could not move because everything in my body hurt. So after multiple visits to my conventional doctor, she finally called me and told me there was nothing wrong with me. And I said, that's ridiculous because I hurt. She said, well, since you say you hurt, I'll give you steroids. But what I really want you to do is seek therapy. So I said, I have news for you. I'm going to find out what's wrong with my body. And I dug in without even knowing what I was looking for. And I tripped into the functional medical community, who at the time was running 19 different symposiums with multiple doctors talking about their approach to health. And from listening to all of this, I decided there were two things I could do for myself without any doctor. I could lower my stress, which I'd always known that I had, and friends had actually been pulling me aside to tell me I needed to do something about it. Um, and I could research and eliminate toxins in my life. Well, I was appalled because when I started to research, and there is a huge database in the sky called EWG.org, which is the Environmental Working Group, when I started looking up, everything in my life was super toxic, starting with my cosmetics, which were expensive and French and a nine on a 10 point scale. So one by one, I attacked everything in my life, which believe it or not, was almost all toxic and found lower toxic replacements for it. And at the same time, I discovered a series of little three minute exercises that I could break up my day with that would let off the steam of my stress before it became what I call toxic stress or chronic stress. When I got sick, my cortisol, which is your stress hormone, was almost to Addison's disease. So by learning to do these exercises, I was able to bring my cortisol back up to normal and by eliminating and lowering the toxicity of all of the products in my life, I was able to come back to relative wellness. And halfway through all that five years, I found my own functional doctor who didn't run any tests, anything like my conventional doctor, and who immediately announced I did have autoimmune disease, that I was on the right track with what I was doing because it is caused by toxic load. And then we dug in so that she was a big part of my wellness. And I'd love to tell you quickly what the difference is between a functional doctor and a conventional doctor. My doctor went to Yale Medical School. She's a full-fledged MD, but most functional doctors got sick themselves and couldn't help themselves with what they knew. So they went on to get additional training in functional medicine. And functional medicine does not single out a specific part of the body and only specialize in it. They look at the entire body and they try to get to the root cause of all illness, which generally they believe starts in your gut. And toxic load is where it begins. And it is, in my opinion now, the precursor of all chronic illness, whether it's autoimmune disease, cancer, or heart disease. Getting rid of the toxins and the things that cause leaky gut is what will lead you back to general wellness. Um, yeah, I was yeah. lucky I caught my autoimmune disease early. If it gets more complicated and gets into things like lupus and MS, it's not so easy. But certainly the kinds of lifestyle changes that I recommend 
are good for anybody, whether they have illness or not, which is why I call my podcast Future Proof Your Life, because I want you to adopt them now before you get sick and tired of being sick and tired like I was. I want you to act like you have any one of those chronic illnesses now, and you start to put these lifestyle changes into place so that you don't go down the path that I went down. Yeah, I actually, uh, I just started working with a uh, functional medicine doctor earlier this year as a, he's a high performance entrepreneur coach. He works with people who are running companies like I am. Um, and one of the first things that he did was we did uh, what he calls cellular level blood testing yeah. um, and then DNA testing, which is, they're not like, you know, most of the blood testing they do and traditional doctors would do is like their levels testing. And for someone who's my age and, you know, in my condition, everything with a regular test would just come back good. You're you got all green check marks, you're healthy. Um, but with the cellular level blood testing, um, they actually look at every individual cell and the health of those cells and like how the mitochondrial walls are um, impacted, your, your actual toxic load at the different cell, cellular levels and all this other stuff. Um, and what it came back and actually showed was that I had blood toxicity, toxicity levels and I had parasite levels and I had other things that were, you know, they weren't outside of the healthy range, but their trajectory was definitely going down, right? Um, so by the time, I would have been 50, 60 years old, I would have been in the same shoes you were, right? Because that's where my trajectory was going. Right. Um, and because that's just the way I was. Congratulations that you have already done that. Because that's going to yeah, save so, you a lot of grief. It's been, it's been a fascinating eight months now. Um, and everything from uh, parasite cleanses and toxic cleanses and removing all those things and, you know, getting uh, exercise done properly and everything. and. Um, my wife is excited because uh, she says um, you you don't expect your husband to get hotter the longer you're married, but that's what she's telling me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so so I think there's there's benefits to that, um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. And it just just because I've been through that experience myself this year, um, I'm sleeping better. I've got more energy. I got four kids to chase around, and I got lots of energy to chase them around. Um, and you know, I'm running, I'm running two companies now and, and I'm not stressed out nearly as much as I was earlier this year even. And like everything is firing so well at this point that I've got better ideation and better like creative processes. Everything is working better because my body is functioning optimally. Um, One of my amazing memories is the body really wants to heal, but you got to give it the right stuff so that it's got the right building blocks so that it can do that. And I named my first book, It Feels Good to Feel Good, because when you don't have your health and you return to it, oh my God, can you feel the difference? And it's worth celebrating. I didn't yeah, even yeah. know and how lousy I felt for years before I got sick. Even for someone like me who was active and fit and what I would consider healthy, um, the difference between like where I was eight months ago and where I am today is drastic. Um, right. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing um, when you actually figure out how your body works and how, how the toxic levels and the parasite levels and the stress levels and then having good, you know, good energy from food and good exercise, how that impacts all of your um, everything, really, all the way down to you know, how you work with your team members and your business to how you have energy for your family. Right. I actually, tell, when I speak, I ask people to get quiet for a minute and go into their body and ask their body, how do you feel? And they get quiet enough to let your body answer. I do it every morning now when I get up and I adjust depending upon how I feel when I get quiet and I ask myself that question. 
Um, I still have autoimmune disease. I will always have autoimmune disease, but to be pain-free is huge. And so I never want to go back. And so I do eat organic. I am very careful where I eat out at restaurants and I vet them very carefully. I have a whole program for how I even go to other people's homes for dinner or travel. Um, it's, I'm all about maintaining how great I feel now, no matter what it takes. And so it's doable. You can have sustainable yeah. lifestyle skills that keep your body feeling great. And once you learn them, it, people will say to me, aren't you deprived? Heavens no, I was deprived when I felt lousy before I figured all this out. <laughs> Absolutely. So what I want to talk about then is your, your origin story, which is, you know, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. I don't want to hear that story. Were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into entrepreneurship? Um, or did you start in a job and eventually become an entrepreneur? Basically, you know, I, you, it sounds like you've had a long career and probably multiple businesses that you've been working in. How did, what was your start as an entrepreneur? Um, my start as an entrepreneur was actually with partners probably 20 years ago. I always had partners until 15 years ago when I finally jumped off the cliff by myself. And I became a superhero when I finally jumped off the cliff to do it myself. I had partners, but I was doing all the work. And I finally woke up and said, this is ridiculous. But my nemesis for most of my life was fear. For some reason, I didn't think that I could do it all by myself, even though I was doing it essentially all by myself. And to believe, I, I, I was somewhere in my early 50s. I'm now 71. Somewhere in my early 50s when I figured out that the only person who was keeping me from doing what I wanted to do was me. So when you get rid of the fear and you move forward to live in your full greatness, that's when great things start to happen. And it's a mindset change. So I would say I was, I started in retail. I was a store manager for a large department store. Um, I had lots of experience running businesses until I finally decided to do it myself. And it was the happiest I was in my business career because I had complete freedom to be as creative as I wanted to be. And what I was doing was designing jewelry for big box jewelers for people like Macy's and JCPenney and Kohl's. And to be able to do what I wanted to do and to do it to the rhythm of my individual retailers was an enormous. I finally sold that business last year because once I got well, I knew that my mission was to help other people who were in the same situation that I was in, frustrated, alone, hurt, and not knowing how to make themselves feel better. Um, I knew that that was my mission. So that's when I went back to school at 67 at IIN, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, because I didn't think that my BA in Berkeley was gonna give me any credibility to get out there and talk about health. And that's what I wanted to do, because if I could turn my health around, anybody could turn their health around, if I could inspire them to make the lifestyle changes that would make a difference. So I've been doing so this talk, for, for three talk years. Talk me a little bit about um, about the, the process of changing um, so you, it sounds like you had like two major changes, right? Changing from working for someone else to working for yourself and then recently selling a business to start another one. What does that sort of process look like for you? Um, 
Actually, to go out into business on my own was a much easier transition than I would have thought it was. But I did have, I took with me all of my relationships with my customers. And so um, it was not a difficult transition. I just had to start over and train a new staff to support me in my quest to do what I wanted to do. And I had a whole lot of passion to do what I was doing. But since I had been running businesses for other people for many years, it was a very comfortable transition. To change from that to going into health was a little bit of a transition as well, although the business skills are still all in place. And going all the way back to when I was in high school, when I was a debater, getting out in front of people was never awkward for me. So getting out in front of people now to talk about my health journey and why I think it's important for other people to hear it has also always been very comfortable to do. Writing, I've now written four books. That was probably a little bit more of a transition, even though I was a lit major at the biggest work. Because I didn't, I never thought I was gonna be an author, but when I started researching for my health, I kept everything I found in file folders on my computer. So when I graduated from IIN and they asked what I like to write a book through their book program, that book was sitting there waiting to happen. And I started it, the book, the first book was 450 pages long. I started it in November and finished it in the middle of January. I sometimes wonder if I channeled that book or if I really wrote it myself because it just rolled off my fingers. And it's the basis for a lot of what I get out to talk to people about, which is how there are toxins. Our government is not protecting us. There are toxins at all levels of our life. And you need to become aware because our health statistics here in the United States are pretty scary, right down to 53% of our children have chronic illness. So that's one reason I became so impassioned to get out and talk to people. There are things that we can do without the government. We can join together and use our buying power to change it. And in the eight years I've been doing this, I am starting to see things shift. So I'm excited that we're headed the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's only more of that to come. Um, there's been a lot of big shifts over the last 10 years from supply chains to demand changes that have uh, made it so less toxic alternatives and you know more sustainably raised foods and stuff like that are easier to get a hold of. Um, I was surprised, like even at Walmart now, you can find they have a really healthy um, healthy selection of organic foods and like you can even get Amish butter at the, pretty much every Walmart around the country. <laughs> Which is fabulous because we need to we need to start paying attention to what we're putting into our body. And when I work with clients, just getting them to cook so that they can control what goes into their body is our first big hurdle because oh man we, you we need to do house. that you have to cook and you have to be careful what you're feeding yourself yeah we Food uh, quality we, matters we don't even buy uh, we don't even go to the uh, what do they call them the center aisles in grocery stores right because yeah. we make everything my my wife and I make everything from scratch she even makes our own bread and her own pastas and our own sauces and everything so. fabulous I commend you. It's a good place to be. Also, it's significantly more delicious and it it's better tasting. I know. <laughs> I know. For all the or, people and who don't have to cook, they, they're missing out on what the real test, test taste of real food is like because it's delightful. Oh, yeah. And I can cook in a half an hour. 
if I go in the morning and I pull out whatever my protein's going to be, I have a refrigerator already stocked with organic vegetables. So it's not hard to go into the I couldn't drive for fast food as fast as I can make a delicious meal. Only my meal is loaded with nutrition and that fast food is nothing but fake food. Yeah, yeah, I do a, um, I do a, a, a regular lunch for myself. I do, I do some chicken tacos with like roasted corn stuff, but I prep it all at the beginning of the week. And then all I have to do is, you know, cook the, cook the meat um, yeah, before for lunch. It takes me like 10 minutes and I've got tacos that'll make your eyes water with joy. Uh, so <laughs> it doesn't have to be hard to take a long time. Vegetables already prepared at eye level in their refrigerator. So when you open up the refrigerator, if you want a snack, you pull from your already prepared vegetables. If you want to roast some vegetables, they're already prepared there. So you chop them up and you put them on a baking chip and you roast them. It, it, it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it doesn't have to be hard, that's for sure. Um, and it's, it's interesting, you know, once you sort of get the habits down and everything, it's not, it's not more difficult, it's less expensive, you feel better. Um, so it's, it's just retraining Your habits. Your body that, uh, starts to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit then about your superpowers, right, in your, your existing business. So every every iconic hero has superpowers, whether it's a fancy flying suit made by a genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills um, that, have, that have developed over time that sort of energize everything else in your life, right? They energize all of your other skills. Um, and it really helps set you apart, right? Helps you help your clients come out on top of their journeys. Um, so with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is? Um, my superpower is communication. I love to get out and speak about what I'm talking about. And people have told me, but toxins can be boring. So I make them as unboring as possible. I'll actually go out on stage as Wonder Woman. And I'll say, nice. I know you all know I'm not Wonder Woman, but I have her shield and her lasso and her crown. I said, would you maybe believe that I'm Wonder Woman's grandmother? Because I'm here today to talk to you about Dr. Poison and the Duke of Deception, because that's what we have to understand if we're gonna clean up our health and make our children healthy to have a better future and a better tomorrow. Um, I love to write. I've now written four books in three years. I love to speak in person to people. So I'm looking forward to coming out to COVID so that I can get in front of large crowds again and speak again. And my books are written by a lay person for lay people. So people tell me it's like sitting on my couch having a conversation with me about health because I want to put it into language that anybody can understand it. And I am not a healthcare pro professional. I'm somebody who recommends lifestyle changes so I've made it as friendly to read and to make changes as I possibly could in the way that I've communicated it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. and communication is such an important skill um, for anything, but especially if you're trying to get someone to change the way that they live, right? So like a lot of my business is in the marketing space and it's all about persuasive communication, right? You have to be able to get someone, not just communicate to them, but after you're done communicating that that person understands the communication and makes changes based on it, whether that's to buy your product or to, you know, to act on the stuff they learn in your products. 
uh, those kind of things. So it's a it's a really important skill. So my question for you, my follow up question, if your superpower is communication, was that something that you were born with, or is that something that you have had to develop over the years? I think it's I've always loved to talk, so it's partly something that I was born with. Um, but it's something that I have always been pushed towards starting all the way back in high school when I was on a debate squad and I went to state and was a finalist in extemp speaking. I have always enjoyed the art of communication. And so it was a natural for me to end up doing this and to have my mission, which I believe talking about lifestyle changes is, is to get out there and communicate that if you feel lousy in any way, for God's sakes, take back your power because you have more power than you think you have. And there's a whole lot of things you don't need permission to do. You can change for yourself and you can change for your family that will help you feel much better. And so that's yeah. where I'm using my skills. But it's, it's yeah. always sort of been there all along. And you don't even have to wait till you feel lousy either, right? If you just, no, you know, I'm hoping it takes, that you'll... takes a little longer to fall asleep or takes a little longer to wake up than you want. Then you, know, you react you're on the wrong. You're on the wrong track, fix it. Yeah, I tell people, if you don't want to get cancer or you don't want to get autoimmune disease, start living like you have them now. Don't wait. Because um, do you know about the blue zones? I actually added a chapter to both of my key books about the blue zones. It's a National Geographic study of the five areas in the world where people live the longest. And it's got a nine or 10 conclusions from studying these. And now they're rolling out blue zones to other communities in the United States. There are nine more cities in the US that are rolling them out. But if you follow the principles of the blue zones, you will live long and thrive. They're the people who live into very old age and keep their cognizance, which for God's sakes, now that I'm getting older, I really want to keep my brain. So that, and they're just, you know, you, you eat, they eat mostly pescatarian and vegetables. 75% of their plate is organic vegetables. They live in community and they support each other. They build their plates in the kitchen and take them to the table and they never eat when they're past 80% full. They make sure they get seven quality hours of sleep every night. They move. They don't just sit and be stationary. They're very simple things that if everybody followed them, we would not have the disease that we have in this country. And we're 37th in the world in health. So we all need to be paying attention to these key points in terms of how we can live and grow old and thrive. It's important. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, completely agree. It's really interesting. Uh to sort of look at the history and see how people are are living and where the most you know impactful things are and it's i don't know it's it seems interesting to me that we're waiting for fancy newfangled science to show us data that we already have right right like like you know what we've got thousands of years of cultures all over the world we can see you know who, who lives the longest and who's the healthiest and that, those kind of things and you can just what are they doing different do those things well and for god's sakes for me to have to convince someone that eating real food is better for their body kind of cracks me up it was sort of like i had a v8 when i find when the doctor finally that i ended up with the naturopath i first started with finally said just eat organic vegetables and fruits do that start there 
And it was sort of like, it resonated with me. It made so much sense, but I didn't come to that conclusion all by myself. And most people don't, yeah. and we shouldn't have to be convinced of that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. And, you know, it's, it's one of those transitions that, it, you know, it's, it's not terribly difficult, but what, you know, once you sort of like learn, you're like, you know, it's, it's the next rack over on the eggs, right? For the regular eggs, for the cage-free organic eggs. And like the, you know, it's the deck, you pay a little bit more for the food, but you know, once you, uh, once you get around to- Organic eggs, free run eggs, they're too expensive. What are you paying? Maybe 15 cents more an egg? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's negligible really. And if you start removing all the boxed goods from the center, stuff your bill drops so much that it more than makes up for the uh, process of making your own stuff so and i actually have a chapter in my second book on 30 ways to save on healthy food because i don't want people tell me that they can't afford it because they can't afford it and i go through the whole thing do you really need to stop for that coffee on your way to work could you make organic coffee at home and take it with you that'll save you some money to put on organic vegetables do you really have to go out to lunch or drinking with your friends every night? Could you save that money and have them over for a really great bottle of organic wine? There's all kinds of things you can do with your budget so that you get to have the same experience, but you're putting quality stuff into your body and making up enough food, yeah. enough money that you can buy quality food because quality food makes a difference to your body. And, and it's a better experience, right? Even with a thing like the coffee, making organic coffee and getting something like a French press and you right. know, using high quality water for it, that cup of coffee would be significantly better than the one you paid three times, four times as much for at the store. And it's better for the earth, it's better for the grower, it's better for you, it's better for everybody. Absolutely. Cool, so I wanna flip that conversation, right? So if your superpower is communication, right? And using that communication to help people get healthier, the flip side of that is your fatal flaw, right? So every Superman has his kryptonite, or as you mentioned earlier, Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. And we know you don't want to go mad, right? You're working on keeping the cognition going well. So you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business. Maybe it's perfectionism, like I, something I struggled with that kept me from shipping product to the, uh, to the market. Or for me also, lack of self-care was really big, where I would let my clients walk all over me or legitimately not actually care about my health and fitness as much as I should have. Uh, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify it so our listeners who might be struggling with the same thing in their business can learn from you? Interestingly enough, and it's partly because I'm in retirement age, my biggest flaw is that I am not concentrated on making money. And people yell at me all the time that I deserve to be paid for what I'm sharing. But my passion is really to help people. So I'm not always concentrated on making money. I do have clients, I do work with them, they do pay me, but it's it would not sustain me had I not sold my other business. But it's more important to me that I get out there and share the information and I help people than that I'm making a fortune doing what I'm doing. So I'm working on that. I need to put together some programs where I can earn some income that will help me and sustain me so that I can do this for a long time. So, so here's here's my my mindset shift for you that may or may not help, um, and it helped for me at least. Is you know I've got my mission as well in my business and things that I want to accomplish. And um, the whole purpose of this show has always been that entrepreneurs frequently we fall back on our cultural raising that 
making money and profit and being an entrepreneur is a negative villainous thing, which is just not true, right? No. You can certainly be an entrepreneur and be a villain, but it does not equate to villainous. Um, and and often I make entrepreneurs... money in my jewelry business, so yeah. this is kind of my new phase. So, so my mindset shift for me, at least, was learning that if I can make my business profitable, it means that I can scale it. And if I can scale it, I can get my message to more people more quickly. Um, so uh, that's uh, that was- Thank you. I'm going to think about that because that will help me a lot, <laughs> I think. Because I do. I want to reach uh, lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. And the bigger, the bigger your platform gets and the more profitable that you are, the larger you can, the bigger megaphone you can buy, essentially. Right, and the more people you can affect. Absolutely. Um, so. Thank you. <laughs> so that is it is a very very common flaw, um, and it's something that I hope that more and more entrepreneurs um, can start to realize how beneficial profitability can be um, in their business because it's it's the thing that makes us able to continue with whatever the good thing is we're doing, right? And that's what that's what entrepreneurs do, right? We have a value we're looking to bring to the world, and profitability is the sustainability engine for that good. And I do understand that if it's not free, it might be more valued. I've done a lot of thinking yeah. about that. And I knew that was true even with my employees and the health insurance. They valued it more when they got to contribute something to it. So I recognize that there's a lot of reasons why I should start earning money doing what I'm doing because I want it to be valued. <laughs> And I want people to take it seriously to make the changes. So I have I have a quick recommendation for you. This because my primary business is helping coaches and stuff like that actually build their product catalog. And I have it's just a simple metaphor from an old client that really really helped me, um, and hopefully it'll help you too when it comes to actually like designing programs and stuff around like the content that you have. Um, and it's really really simple. It's basically people pay um, more for intimacy. Right. Um, so they're not paying. They won't pay more for information, but they will pay more for intimacy. So the way that that works out practically, I have a, I have a client who um, was the uh, telecom communication director, one of the first um, African-American females who ran the telecom in Las Vegas. Right? And she took that um, the telecom from I can't remember what it was, like six hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue to over 40 million dollars a year in revenue during her tenure, which was super crazy. Um, and again, being an African-American woman and the first, first woman, African-American woman running a telecom is a really big story for her. Um, but today she runs a company, a coaching program, uh, a company that basically helps companies go from six figures to seven figures. And she's got a hundred percent success rate, like track record for them. Um, and the thing that fascinates me is she has, she has a book, right? A book that is $9. You can buy on Amazon and it looks like I can see your book sitting back there. So you have these same kind of things, book on Amazon, and it walks through her whole process that she, that she does with every single company. Um, and then she's got an online course, right? And her online course is, I don't know, 900 bucks, something like that. And it's literally, it's just her on video going through the content of the book, like the chapters of the, um, the, the book going through that same content. Um, and then she's got a, a, a coaching program, which is sort of like a done with you, where she will work with you. Um, and I believe that's like $25,000 for the company. And, you know, it's over the course of six months. And what they do is you get on the call with her and they start with chapter one in the book and say, hey, here's what we're going to go through. We're going to go through these things. And then you go back and do them. And the next month, we're going to come back and work through chapter two, right? Same content, like the content doesn't change. And then they have a done for you service that I believe is $100,000 plus a percentage of revenue where her and her team come into your business and they take over and do all of these things for you. And what they do is they start with the book on chapter number one and they start working through those things for you in your business 
all the way through, right? So the, the information doesn't change. What changes is the level of intimacy with that content and with the, the expert who's providing it. Um, so hopefully that's uh, useful when you're thinking about how you can build your programs. Yeah, my next um, thing is I'm going to put together a book club where we start at chapter one and we start the book because it's so much easier, I think, to do it as a group together and be led through Absolutely. all so yeah, that yeah. I'm on the right track. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, other cool thing about the group programs is uh, I've, I've worked with several clients who've done group versus individual coaching. We almost find like 100% of the time people in the group programs accelerate faster than the ones who are in individual coaching. Um, and the reason we, um, I think, and this is theory, I don't have any like solid proof for this, um, is that when you're in a group setting and the coach that you're working with says, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z, right? Or whatever the thing is, whatever the recommendations are, um, then the person who's in the group coaching realizes that that's on them because they're in a group setting and they realize the coach isn't gonna do it for them. And when you're in a one-on-one -on -one setting, that line is less clear of what's my responsibility versus what's yours. Um, and there's confusion sometimes between, you know, are they, are they a coach or are they a consultant and what's actually being delivered versus what am I actually doing? But when you are, um, when you're in that group coaching setting, I think everyone really understands that, hey, the onus is on me to make this happen. To right. take I'm these very clear on who better. owns things, and that gets communicated. That comes from coaching employees for years. Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. I don't own what they need to do. I will help them and give them guidance, but they own it. And if they're not succeeding, that's on them. The Hero Show will be right back. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now, back to the hero show. My next question for you then is your common enemy, All right? So every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world, right? Um, in the business world, it takes on many forms, but generally we put it in the context of your clients, right? The people that you're working with on a regular basis. And it's generally, it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly sort of like banging your head against the wall. And if you had your magic wand and you could just whap your new clients on the head with it and make that mindset go away so you could get them better, just, you know, better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results. What, what is that sort of one thing that you're always fighting against with clients? They don't want to swim upstream against the rest of the United States. 
They don't want to eat different than everybody else. Even though it's perfectly doable, they want to be able to go out to restaurants anywhere that their friends are going out and just be able to order off the menu. And you don't get to do that when you want to eat really healthy. But there are things you can do. I vet restaurants before I go to them. I talk to the chef about what can he feed me. And then when I get there, whether I'm with a lot of friends or I'm on my own, I know that he can help me because he has whole foods in his kitchen that he can make for me. But getting people to assert themselves enough to know that they can do that to protect their health, that's the big mind shift. Because yeah, even if I can get them all to cook when they want to be out in public with their friends, that's the reason I wrote the whole second book, which is all about okay, Becky, I don't live an isolated life. I live in community. So how do I do that? And I share all my tips about how I do that to sort of get people jump started. that if you're serious about protecting how you feel when you start to feel good, there's all kinds of things you can do that no matter where you are, you can keep those things in place. But it's the mindset of what you have to go through in order to do that. And just the thing that fascinates me about that is the more and more people take that up, like take up those actions that are doing those things, the more it shifts the demand in the market and the market will respond to that. I even talk about the fact that, you know, start going to farmers markets because you'll make friends there who want to be as healthy as you do. And the more you expand your community to be doing what you're doing for your health, the more likely you are to be able to sustain your habits. Yeah, yeah. My my favorite example of that, like the, the demand shifting the market um, is, uh, um, and it's something that everyone recognizes, is the Chipotle restaurants, right? So right. Chipotle started in Denver, and they started um, creating a demand for the, uh, you know, ethically raised meats um, and organic vegetables and what that they use in all of their, their cooking. Um, and they partnered with McDonald's when they first got started to use their distribution network. Um, and as they grew all over the country, it increased the demand for all of those organic meats and stuff. And the reason why Walmart now has access to bring in all the organic sections they have is because of the demand changes that Chipotle created to actually shift the supply chain, right? So now we have a supply chain of that, that has a lot more of the organic fruits and vegetables and stuff because of, and you know, the a company stepping up and doing it. And they're the only restaurant that I will eat in, and it's not very often. <laughs> But there are occasions when I need to find something I can eat and I don't have my emergency pack in the car and Chipotle is my restaurant of choice because I know they're cleaner than other places. So I know yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna feel bad when I eat their food. The only thing I don't like about their food is that they cook with soy oil and soy oil is not great for men in particular. Soy oil so. is not awful. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so if they would, if they would shift that to avocado oil, I'd be much happier. But, you know, that's just me. And I'm not in charge of their business, so. <laughs> I know, I know. But see, people don't even know that those are not good oil choices. Um, so that's one of the things that I like to get out and talk to people about. What are good choices? What are not such good choices? So, so just out of curiosity, what's your favorite cooking oil? Actually, my favorite cooking oil is ghee because I can't have dairy, but I can have ghee because the milk solids are removed. The CLA that's in that oil happens to be really good for people with autoimmune disease, and I get the butter taste that I don't get any other way. But after ghee, my second choice is always avocado oil. Yeah, 
Yeah, so my favorite's avocado oil, um, and it's for two reasons. One of them is because I actually like, I really like the neutral flavor profile. Right. Because um, it makes a good base for all the other cooking I like to do. Um, and the second one is for people who are into cooking, the 500 degree smoke point, which means you can sear food with it and you can cook all sorts of things and you won't smoke up your kitchen, which is really, really cool. Right. So, and for anybody that's, out that's there our... who would say olive oil, olive oil has a very low smoke point. So you want to yeah. use that in your salad dressings, but not in your cooking. Yeah, yeah. And it'll smoke and then it burns and you get the, uh, the I can't, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but when you, when you burn the oils, it changes the structure of the fat and makes it more toxic than it was when it started. Right. Um, so if you cook it over its smoke point temperature and it smokes at all, then you've removed the health benefits. Right. So uh, anyways, there's our, our food nerdery for the, uh, <laughs> for the episode. For our listeners of today. Uh, so the flip side then of your common enemy is your driving force, right? If your common enemy is the, fi- the thing that you're fighting against, your driving force is what you're fighting for. So right, just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you're fighting for in your business? Um, I'm fighting for general health. In my second book, I not only talk about why it's so important to cook, why it's important to eat the rainbow, but I did an entire section on how to raise healthy children in the 21st century and then how to create a healthy environment for our pets. Because while I was so busy researching for myself, I wasn't thinking about how toxic the lives of my pets had become, and I lost all three of my cats. Much I was I was one of those people who friends wanted to come back as my cat because they all lived into their 20s, and they were all super healthy for their whole life. Well, I lost my last kitties at 12, 14, and 16, and I was devastated. So I did a lot of research to help guide people on how to raise healthy pets because if you get into what's in their food. It's really disgusting, but I want to help everybody feel good. And so everything that I do is under the it feels good moniker, because if you hear me when I speak, there are so many things that you can take the power back to control yourself, to feel great yourself, to raise healthy children that feel great and to raise healthy pets that feel great. It's worth it for you to do these things. and. When I started getting well, I was running into women everywhere who didn't know what to do, who felt lousy and were not getting help from their conventional doctor, which is why I decided I wanted to do this in the first place. So I really, I really like to change the way America as a beginning, but I'm out there talking about it and I'm talking about why it's important because If you eat all the colors of the rainbow, there's a reason that they all get together and they party in your body and you have a shelf life for every cell in your body and you need to have good building supplies so that they can be rebuilt. So I'm wondering that if you, if I understand why it's important, it's much easier for me to do it. And then I hate it when people tell me I have to do it, but they don't tell me how to do it. So my books are all about how to do what I'm talking about, because I don't want to just leave you out thinking you need to do this without telling you how to get it done. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting thing too, right? Because there's so much, uh, there's so much in that goes into like learning how to do all this. And like, once you've got it all down, then it's, it's not that difficult afterwards. It's it's an everyday Um, way of life now. 
yeah, it's an everyday way of life once you sort of make the shift. Um, and the, the interesting thing is like everyone wants it. And it's just that, like you mentioned, the, it's, that, it's that little hump of like, I have to make this shift, that change. Right, um, and it almost sounds like you're 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 fighting over fighting for that little hump. Like you just got to get over it, right? Just climb that little right. hill, get over it. On the other side, and it your life is better and healthier, and it's not as hard as you think. If you do what I'm suggesting for six weeks, you will start feeling so much better that it's easier for you then to find more ways to feed that great feeling. But it's getting through those initial periods. Once you come out the other end of that and you go out and you eat something that is not good for you and you feel icky again, then it's easier for you to go back to the healthier choices. But you gotta get through that initial period and then your body will support your mindset change. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to me too, like your your taste buds, like your the thing that your body, whatever the, the connection is between like this tastes good versus it doesn't taste good is like it'll reprogram right as you know you eat something over and over again that you're like i don't actually like the way that this tastes um and but your body is getting nutrition from it and getting good stuff from it it'll rewire that pathway and over time you'll right. really enjoy the taste of those things or even sugar i was somebody who was so addicted to sugar that it was making me hungry all the time because it turns off your hormones in the back of your head that make you keep thinking you need more when i detoxed off of sugar my taste buds completely changed. Food is not calling me from the kitchen anymore. Going, Cheryl, come eat me because I don't want it anymore. And when I grocery shop, if I do go down the aisles in the middle of the store, the smell of the sugar is overwhelming to me because my body is no longer addicted to it and I don't want it. And food tastes so much better without it. So yeah, your taste buds change your whole body starts to crave the good stuff instead of the bad stuff and it's worth it it's yeah. worth it to make the shift i had i had a uh, fun experience just two nights ago i uh we had some friends over for dinner and they brought soda and we don't drink soda i haven't drank soda no. for years but they had root beer and i remember really liking root beer and i poured a little bit of root beer like this much i was like i'll have a couple of sips of root beer and i had like two sips of the root beer and i was like oh oh and it was just it was like drinking liquid sugar syrup, and I couldn't, I couldn't even drink the whole bit of stuff that I had poured for myself. Yeah, my experience was with Seeds Candy, which is a California corporation. I grew up on it. I dearly loved it. Um, it was a big thing to have it at Christmas and Thanksgiving and Mother's yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah, same, same in my house. One day I was sitting out in front of my, I'm going to go in and get just one piece. I could not believe how icky it was. It did not taste good, even remotely to me. So yeah, my whole body sort of went, what are you doing? Stop eating this. I didn't even eat the whole piece because it no longer had any appeal to me. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how your body does that, right? And so if you train it to like good stuff, then it's gonna want more of that good stuff. And if you train it to like bad stuff, it's gonna continue to want more bad stuff. That's why um, when people say, aren't I deprived? Both my husband and I laugh, no we're not deprived we feel great and we love what we're eating so it's not even part of our vocabulary and if i have company over for dinner no one ever eats something and goes oh ick this is healthy i'm still a foodie <laughs> i still make great food and when they're done eating it they go wow you know if i make cauliflower rice 
and I make it some exotic way, which like I do a Moroccan cauliflower. I said, that was cauliflower? Wow. They're happy to eat it when they know it's been healthy afterwards, but they don't say, oh, <laughs> I don't want to eat that because it's healthy because that's not, you know, we're into our taste buds. So why can't we do yeah. both? Why can't we eat absolutely delicious food that's also incredibly yummy? Yeah, yeah, same thing goes in our household, right? My my wife and I cook everything from scratch, and we've gotten to be, uh, over the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, um, even before we started getting healthy, really got into learning how to cook um, and becoming sort of home chefs. And we have guests over all the time, and they were like, holy cow, that food was freaking delicious. And um, and, and it's amazing because, you know, it's, it's all healthy, homemade stuff. Do your kids still want to eat healthy when they're out of the home? Do they taste so? So our kids are, well, they're children, so they're crazy. Um, so, but the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, I've got some interesting things, right? Cause I got four of them. Um, and I have, my oldest one will eat anything, right? And he likes Indian food and Thai food and anything we put in front of him, he'll eat it. Um, and sometimes he'll whine a little bit. He's not a huge fan of, you know, vegetables here and there. Um, and then I've got two younger ones, a toddler and a baby. Um, and they're still in the stage of their life where like, if it fits, they eat it. Right? If it fits in their mouth, it goes into the tummy, um, whether or not it's even food for the younger one. Um, so we're constantly having to, you know, you can't eat that. That's not food. Take it out of your mouth. Um, the other day, she uh, she took my avocados um, off of the counter and ate them skin and all um, right off the counter. And I was like, you ruined my avocados, child. Um, but anyway, so we got that going on. And then my second, my second child, she is, bless her heart, the worst eater on the planet and will get herself all the way to making herself throw up if we put a salad on her plate, which I'm a terrible dad. And I'm like, well, now we can clean up the vomit and then you can eat the salad anyways, because the side effect of eating salad is not throwing up. That is all in your head. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we're, we're struggling through with at least one of our children, um, but she's, she's convinced that if it's not chicken, um, it's, not, it's not food, so. But, you know, she's six. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> or doing little faces or little characters on her plate that are all vegetables and fruit. There's ways maybe to get her more interested. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's also learned that we don't, we, she doesn't get to have other food, that she doesn't eat dinner. Um, so she'll eat because she's hungry. Because, um, you know, you, they'll only starve themselves for so long before they're like, okay, I'm ready to eat whatever you have for me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We really all need to pay attention to what our children are eating because it will impact everything about their life. It's what impacts their brain for learning. It's, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing I've, I've seen with, you know, friends and family and other people, who, you know, raising their children is there seems to be like two two primary ways that parents deal with children who don't want to eat their food. Um, one of them I think is very unhealthy and one of them I think is much healthier and the unhealthy way that I see, I see frequently um, is a kid who will refuse to eat their food. So then the parent turns around, what do you want? And they will make them something that is significantly less healthy than what they had for dinner um, just so they get the kid to eat. Cause I think it's more important to get the kid to eat than it is to get them to eat well. There are even um, ads out there that show parents doing that, which I hate. Yeah, and I, something I, I actually, 
I, I don't agree with it at all because I think I think it's more important that your kids eat well than that they eat at all because they will not starve themselves to death, right? You know, um, especially American kids, right? My kids get three meals a day every single day. They're healthy and fat, right? Well, they're not fat. They're well. They're all pretty fit. But you know, the they're they're not starved is my point. So if they're going, you know, if they miss a meal because they refuse to eat it, <laughs> they're not going to be hurt, right? And then when they come sit down to the next meal. They're gonna be like, oh, if I don't eat this, I don't get any food. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a better message for them. I agree with you, much better. So, and anyways, I, and we're, that's we're why that. I talk about the Duke of Deception because advertising, like what I just talked about, where suddenly they melt cheese and put it all over everything on the plate to get the child to eat it, which is not good for them. That's part of the deception. We have advertising deception and marketing deception hitting us all the time that we have to be aware of and be careful of. Yeah, yeah. Um, though we have discovered that broccoli and cheese soup totally gets my second daughter to eat broccoli. So. <laughs> I actually just learned something new about broccoli that I want to share. Before you cook with it, if you cut it up and let it sit on the counter for 40 minutes, it increases in nutrition so that when you do cook with it, you're getting the maximum that that vegetable has to offer to you. That comes from a book called How Not to Die, which is a medical Magic, doctor right? whose grandmother was on her last days and went into an active type clinic, became a vegan and recovered and almost started like walking and running when she came out of there and lived another 25 years. And it made him take a whole look at food and nutrition and why that was important for him to know as a medical doctor. It's a great book. It's loaded with all kinds of incredible tips. <laughs> That's cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your own personal heroes, right? So every hero has their mentors. You know, Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Um, and Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. So who were some of your heroes? Were they peers that were a couple years ahead of you, speakers, authors, um, you know, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far over the whole course of your entrepreneurial career? I've been lucky because I've had several mentors that have helped me to get where I wanted to go. My father died when I was in my early 20s, but in my early 30s, I had a male boss whose daughter had died in an automobile crash who adopted me. And then he mentored me for like the next 20 years. And guy, he was somebody that I could call at any time and put business situations out to, and he would guide me to make the right decisions and the right choices and to um, approach it from the right direction. But I've all, you know, I had a female boss that wanted me to be a great buyer. So she was really tough on me, but she really, I knew underneath it all, she loved me. And so she guided me long past the time when I was working for her. So I have several people who really are my superheroes. And it's been interesting. The female boss is now in her 90s. And she found me on Facebook and we went up and visited with her. And it was so much fun to see her again. And she said, I was really tough That's on awesome. you. I loved you. That's why. And I appreciated her. Um, so I think it was good that she knew how much I appreciated her, even though she was tough on me. Yeah, it always surprises me too, the answer to that question, um, how often the, the answer to that question is just normal, everyday people that are in your life, right, that are influencing you what, and, and are your heroes, whether or not they ever even knew it, right? Yeah, um, and for I me, it's always been... 
either of those two people knew how much I appreciated them. Yeah, 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 and it's it's interesting to me because it always reminds me that hey, there's probably people in my life that are looking to me and thinking, hey, he's a hero in my life. Um, it always reminds me that maybe I should be acting in such a way to deserve that. Right. Well, I will tell you now that I'm 71, I try really hard to be somebody that people can look up to and can get help from. Um, one of the best things I did at the beginning of this year is start my own Facebook group. And I am loving it because when people need help, they can reach out to me and I'm there for them. And I am getting enormous pleasure from that. So, That's yeah. Awesome. So one of the last things I want to talk about here is your guiding principles, right? And it's one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Um, for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview, I'm going to talk about the top one or two principles in your life that you use every day, right, that you think are important to the success that you have found on your journey. First one is when I look at the, in the mirror in the morning, I want to like the person who's looking back to me. I don't ever want to make decisions that when I look at that person, I am sorry for what whoever it is I became. And there have been several times over the course of my career when I have had to do things to stay true to that person looking at me in the mirror and not true to whatever it was that the, uh, the boss or that situation wanted me to be. So stay true to your soul, stay true to your heart, stay ethical, stay honest, and don't veer away from that no matter how successful you think that's going to make you, that success is not going to be worth it if you don't like the person looking at yourself. Absolutely. So one of the things that cracks me up about that is the whole look in the mirror um, aspect. So one of my, you know, we just talked about mentors. One of my mentors said to me a long time ago, and I'm in the marketing space, um, and he was like, um, so marketing is all about finding what the other person wants and figuring out how to give it to them. Um, and he was like, basically all desire it all comes down and funnels down into essentially the base desire is everyone wants to look good naked, right? <laughs> they want to look in the mirror and be proud of what they look like um, and how what who they see, right? They want to be proud of, of who they see in the mirror when everything is stripped away. Um, and the so what's fascinating about that is like everything sort of comes down to that. It comes down to what do I see when I look in the mirror, right? For my health, what does my body look like? And for my integrity, how do, how do I feel about the person that's on the other side of them, um, you know, of that reflection? Um, and so everything sort of boils down to that desire. Ultimately, that's what everyone wants, is they want to look in the mirror and love who they see there. Get that, and they become somebody yeah. they're not proud of. So never let that happen mm -hmm. to yourself. Be proud of the person that you're looking at and that's looking yeah, at you. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, when it comes to uh, taking care of your health, that'll actually make the person you see physically in the mirror more attractive, better looking, healthier, right? Healthier, you you look good when you're healthy. Yeah, people ask me how I have my skin at 71. It's because I eat so well, you know? <laughs> That's, it's yeah, it's yeah. that simple. If you put good things into your gut, your skin reflects it. My, uh, my, my mom is in her mid to late 50s, and if we go out together, people think that she's my girlfriend because she's healthy. Right, um, and they're like, "Wow, how'd you score a woman like that?" I'm like, "That's my mom." <laughs> they're like, "Oh, sorry," but yeah, right. You know, so you can look really good and really healthy no matter your age if you take care of yourself. Right, makes a big difference. Instead of all of those other things that women go through to try to find beauty, 
and not paying attention to what they're putting into their body. I have a chapter in my second book called Beauty is an Inside Job. Because it is, it yeah, starts yeah. in your body, not outside of your body. It really does. Um, and the other thing that I found too is that, um, at least for me, right, that you, when you see when you see um, women who are are I call it aging gracefully, aging and taking care of themselves. Women are are beautiful all the way through the whole aging process, and you don't have to put all the chemicals and the toxins and the surgeries and the makeup to make yourself into some false picture of beauty, right? We were made beautiful, and we age beautifully. Um, and I think I wish more more women, especially, would take that to heart. Um, because and somebody young said to me not too long ago, age is a privilege. And I've thought about yeah. that a lot since that that young person had That's lost her true. mother at an early age. And age is a privilege. Not everybody gets to be as old as I am. And I don't take that for granted. Absolutely. I, it's like my wife and I talk all the time about uh, how like the reason we are focused so much on our health now in our you know 30s is that we want to be able to grow old together because of that exact thing that it's a privilege right. for people to get to grow old together um, and you know outside of some horrific accident we want our health to not be the reason that we are uh, <laughs> we don't right. get to grow old together especially since that's something you control yeah well, that is basically a wrap on our interview. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on. But I finish every interview. Thank you. <laughs> um, I do finish every interview with a simple challenge, right? I call this the Heroes Challenge. And I do this uh, as a way to get access to stories I might not find on my own. So it's a selfish challenge, really. And the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a good story, um, good entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our audience here on the show? first name that comes to mind actually the first name that comes to mind is my husband we've only been married five years i was in a toxic relationship when i got sick he looked at me and said i don't like it that you're sick so obviously he couldn't stay in my life and i found john by learning to put out exactly what i wanted on the old pokey dating site and he answered and he lived only 10 minutes away from me and together we are, he's the man I should have been with all along. He had another wonderful wife that died from cancer right before I met him. But he is a statistician who has become, he's developing his spiritual side. Um, he does the back end of my business. He edits my books. He produces my podcasts. And he's just a gentleman. The one thing that got me to want to meet him was when we first talked he said to me if I gave him a chance he was probably the nicest man I'd ever meet and he is he is just a lovely human being and he's very smart he keeps me on my toes he's a great guy so he might be a great well, guest for your show <laughs> well we'll reach out later and see if we can uh, maybe book him onto the show as well uh, so in comic books there's always the crowd of people at the end that you know cheers and claps for the acts of heroism from the hero um, and you know our analogous for that is I want to find out where people can find you if they want your help where can they light up the bat signal so to speak and say hey Cheryl I would really like your help um, and I think more importantly than where they can do that is who are the right types of people to reach out and say hey you know what I'd like to read your books or I'd like to have to come speak on our stage for anybody with chronic illness I'm a perfect connection for you because I can help you put lifestyle changes into place that will help you feel better. But my website is Cheryl with a C, 
chermhealthmuse.com. So it's C-H-E-R-Y-L-M health, H-E-A-L-T-H, muse, because I want to inspire you Com. And if you want to write to me, I will answer you back. And that's Cheryl Unhealthy is at gmail.com. So those are, and, and on Facebook, my first page is Cheryl Unhealthy. So you can find me under that core name in those three places. Awesome. Well, we will definitely make sure that that gets into the show notes for people. So if you are looking or you have chronic illness or you think you might be on that trajectory like I was um, with health, issues definitely reach out to Cheryl um, sounds like she's got some books and programs she can put you through um, and it sounds like you even have a new Facebook group you might be able to invite people into yeah, um, my Facebook we'll get... feeling good living low toxin and I would love to it's a very supportive group of wonderful people and it's a little bit of silliness because fun is part of health to health tips to we actually have a moment of love and light every Wednesday morning where anybody can add anybody that needs support onto our list and we beam out love and light to them. And we're having all kinds of miraculous things happening for people on that list. So it's a great That's group awesome. of supportive people. So don't be lonely, even if you're hunkered in, come join my group because we'll be there to support you. Cool, well, that is basically a wrap on our interview. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on sharing your story today, really appreciate it. Is there any final words of wisdom you have for our audience of entrepreneurs before we hit this stop record button? Yeah, no matter who is the who said of the greatest magnitude who you're working with for your health, don't let them own your health, own it yourself, because you have a lot more power over what you can do to feel healthy than we've been given to believe. So own your own health and take care of yourself and then go have robust conversations with your medical care providers. But do your own research and be the person who is knowledgeable in that conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, for, for those of you who are in shoes like I, I was, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, we all care about profitability. My business has gotten more profitable the healthier I've gotten, and it's been easier to get there um, because I'm in a better space um, physically, mentally, uh, just because of having good health. So, and it's something you control. So I completely I, agree with you I, there. And again, don't give up your power, no matter what. Thank you very much for coming on today, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was a lot of fun to do your show. I appreciate it.